Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Christine Fellows is a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and singer based in Winnipeg, Manitoba. After playing in a couple of bands, Fellows went solo at the turn of the century and has released seven albums of uniquely adventurous pop music, often revealing a true interest in reflecting the stories of marginalized voices from a perspective rife with empathy and wit. Christine's new album is called Roses on the Vine, which she co-produced with her husband, John K. Sampson of The Weaker Thens, and it's out now on their new arts imprint, Vivat Virtute. Ahead of a few shows that she and John are playing, Christine and I overcame some technical issues, and then we talked about her new album, Winnipeg and Guelph, Budgies and Dogs, working with John K. Sampson, her future plans, and much, much more. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash creative control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 445th episode of Creative Control featuring the brilliant musical force Christine Fellows with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Rising Hi Christine, how are you? Hi Vish I'm so happy to talk to you I'm happy to talk to you again (laughs) As well Uh, It feels like it's been 
too long. Are, are you okay there? I, I, just so people know, we had a, a lovely conversation and then technology intervened and we lost it. So we're, we're talking again, so to speak. We've started over. Are you okay? I know you were flustered. It's flu- I'm, I was also confused and, <laughs> and worried about our lot in life. And now I feel better. Are you okay? Oh, yeah. Good. This is just like, you know, in the studio. I had one time when I was making a record, not a word of a lie, the, the hard drive broke and we weren't back. We hadn't backed it up. So we lost like a whole day of work. It was right at the end of the day. And you just carry on. You just go back in and you do it again. Now, did you in that circumstance try to emulate what you had already done that was lost? Or did you just start, did it take a whole new direction when you when you started over? A little bit of both, actually. There was, in some ways, I feel like sometimes the, the, the forces that will intervene for a reason. And yeah. maybe it was one of those cases where, you know, you're ne- it's never going to sound the same as the first time you did it. It's just going to be its own different thing. <laughs> and so that's what we're making right now. That's what we're what? we're doing it right now. We're doing the same thing. Yeah. Is it is it okay on your end? How are you getting good? Check one, two. No, yeah, one, yeah. It's, it's fine. I think so. Okay. I, I think it's, it's, it's quite fine. Yeah, it's good. So uh, we talked about so many things uh, earlier, and I want to try to uh, not copy that. But uh, first of all, I want to ask you uh, where in the world you are. I am in Winnipeg. Still, you're still there. Uh, we just <laughs> you are you are at home in Winnipeg. Uh, uh, I've lived here, Vish, for 25 years. 25 years? Is that on the nose? Like this year is your 25th year in Winnipeg? I think so. I think it is actually, and and I realize like that's like uh, half my life. Yeah, that's incredible. Where were you before you were in Winnipeg? Uh, I think I lived in Montreal before I came here for a little bit, and I was at Guelph. I I studied at University of Guelph. I didn't um, do anything. For, I got a 3% in uh, the music course that I took at <laughs> University of Guelph, which is probably a record for University of Guelph. Uh, your friend and mine, Dallas Worley of the Constantines, is, uh, he did. I feel like he on purpose would do that with certain art classes. He'd be like, I've got 7%. And I'm like, what? How do you even do that? That was a very good Dallas impersonation. Oh, well, you know, I grew up with Dallas, so I I, I, every once in a while can float in there. But yeah, he was he was just so mad at something that he decided he would purposely uh, fail. How did you get three percent? You just gave up. Well, obviously, I did three percent of the three percent of the work. I remember it was like a music course, but it was like a 20th century music where we were actually manipulating tape. Like I'm making it sound really fun where you actually got to cut and splice actual tape and make loops and stuff. That sounds, and that sounds cool. It doesn't it? Well, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I took it. And it ended up, it was heinous. It was the worst course ever. And the, the prof, now that I'm an old person, I look back and, and I, and I shake my finger at him. Shame, shame. Oh, at shame. him. Oh, yeah. You're not you're not regretful of your own actions in the course. You're still mad at him. I am still mad at him. Well, what was I'm, what was wrong I'm with him? I'm a little mad at me. It was just one of those classes where um like um like my husband's mom says, it's supposed to be fun. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, sure. He made it like 
I think it was because it was something that should, it was going to be fun, but in order to make it legitimate, like university course standard material, he had to go out of his way to make it as unfun as possible. Oh. That, that, that sort of thing. So wait a minute. Is your, I know you've been to Guelph many times subsequent to that experience, but was your lasting impression for some time of Guelph that there was this terrible person making things unfun or <laughs> <laughs> no, he was all, no, there were, there were, I had many lovely, lovely teachers like, uh, and, and experiences and met like fantastic people in Guelph that, that I cherish to this day. Absolutely. It was, he was just, uh, he was an anomaly. Okay. So 25 years in Guelph, a little bit of time in Guelph or, or sorry, 25 years in Winnipeg, a, yeah. little, a little bit of time in Guelph, a little bit of time in Montreal. Where are you actually from? I grew up, I was born in Windsor, Ontario, but I grew up um, out west in Kelowna. Oh, okay. And we spent a lot of years, most of my childhood was spent uh, out there in the Okanagan. And then uh, we moved around a bit. And then uh, when my uh, family came back to, we moved away out of Canada for a bit. And then when we moved back, I just kind of tried to find my home. And it took me a bunch of tries. I tried a lot of places, but Winnipeg was the one. That's fascinating to me. I, I mean, what was it about Winnipeg that, uh, that that kept you there? You know what it was, actually, is everywhere I would travel, because I did, you know, all that stuff. I did the tree planting and, um, you know, various weird jobs and a lot of, like, traveling back and forth and here and there and everywhere. And every time I met a really interesting or excellent person, I'd ask them where they were from, and they'd say they were from Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, and it happened like it happened enough times that I um, I actually had to you know give it a shot. So, and as it turns out, these are my people. I didn't know that. <laughs> what what characterizes the people of Winnipeg from your uh, perspective exactly? Because I I wouldn't I've been to Winnipeg many times. I have relatives you, in Winnipeg. Uh, you do? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have. Uh, uh, my uh, well, my aunt and uncle-in-law are there. Uh, what else is there? Oh, uh, my aunt, my 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 mom's. Uh, I think it's my mom's cousin. I, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but uh, my let's just say my aunt uh, owns the East India Company restaurant. No way. Yes, yes. It's so delicious. It's amazing. It's really good. And so, yeah, I have uh, those people you there. Got an in with guys kind of i've i've joked about this before and i don't mean to do it again but like yeah the first time i went there i was there for the junos in like 2004 i want to say maybe mm -hmm. and i went and i popped in like they didn't know i was coming and they're like oh my god vishal and i i sat down and like buffet was on the house everything was great so then Aww. I brought like the Jim Guthrie band with me the next time or uh, the same span of time, you know, while we were all at the Junos and then they charged us and I was like, oh, well, okay, that makes, I guess that's okay. But then like years later, I get married to a woman, my wife, Michelle, and we're all in Winnipeg to visit, uh, you know, Michelle's mom's brother is who lives in Winnipeg. So we're all there visiting them. And so Michelle and her parents and I go there for dinner and I make a point of saying, hey, it's me. And they're like, oh, you know, my uh, my late uncle was there and my aunt was there and they were very excited to see me. And they charged us again. They charged me for the meal. And I was trying to act like a big shot, you know, in front of my in-laws. 
And I have a slight... I made I've made a joke about this and I got flack for it before. I made this joke when I had a CBC show for crying out loud. So it really? got it got back to them that I was joking about <gasps> it. Yeah. Well, I don't mean I I it's just meant to be a good fun thing. Like I don't mean like they're terrible people. I probably would have charged me too. Look at me. I'm not. <laughs> Oh, I can't look at you. I wish oh, I yeah, could. Sorry. I heard about we're, that hair. Yes, I, we were talking about how magical my hair is currently, and you'll see it soon enough when you get to Guelph. Get back to Guelph, I should say. I'm uh, so excited. Anyway, yeah, so hair. so I've been to Winnipeg. I know Winnipeg, but I uh, I, I, I wouldn't uh, da- dare to characterize the people of Winnipeg. You say they're your people. How do you characterize that? They're all I different. It's a case-by-case scenario. You just feel like that city's for you. I guess so. I just kind of, it was like, when I, when I moved here, actually, I didn't play music yet when I moved here. Um, maybe I, I, I mean, I had, I had had played music, but I, I didn't ever, um, write songs or anything and, and writing songs and kind of coming into my own as whatever, you know, whatever kind of artist I am was coincidental perhaps with coming here or maybe oh. it was cause I met the people. Right. Okay. And maybe it was just, maybe it's because they were kind to me too, you know? Sometimes you go to a place and, and I do find this place very welcoming and uh, um, uh, generally, especially the uh, art, art, artistic community. Yeah, it has a very rich and vibrant artist, artistic community. I find sometimes when I speak to people who are in um, places that other people might might uh, describe as kind of... Um, remote outpost type places that are cold uh mm-hmm. or or you know it, when, when it's cold you don't you want to be inside i find that uh some of the hottest musicians come from those places because i think this is a maybe a a terrible corny generalization but i think you stay inside and you got to figure out something to do so you maybe spend more time learning to play your instrument or learning your craft because there's not the, the option to go outside uh, for six to eight months of the year is not uh, attractive. Is that is that accurate for you? I, oh, for sure. I think so. I mean, I look forward to winter. Like, you know, it wasn't too long ago. We just had our first snow here. And I, um, I always get that feeling of like, oh, it's time to, you know, you don't got to worry about the crops. <laughs> you could go inside <laughs> and... And just hunker down and, and make stuff. And it does feel like that. Yeah, especially, you know, when you turn the clocks and back forward or, or backward and you just kind of hunker into the weird light, you know? Yeah. Oh, love it. It is nice, isn't it? So you, 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 you revel in that. It's called, is it called wood shedding? Is that the expression? I guess it is. I mean, I is, guess is, it is that literally because you, you need to burn wood? I guess, or pack filling it full of this and that yeah i don't know filling it's... up that old woodshed but honestly <laughs> i don't really woodshed woodshed implies that one practices and i i despise I, practicing. oh i i see what you're yeah i thought maybe woodshedding could also mean uh piling up ideas uh coming ah! up with a bunch of ideas and i i think it's it's it i i maybe have misconstrued it or mis misunderstood what it means because i think it's it's what you just said but I always think of it as uh, getting together with people and, and uh, coming up with ideas, maybe or something. I know there's part of that in that word. To me. It's an, it seems like an odd term, woodshedding. I don't know what else it could mean. You know. I like your I like your definition. Actually, I prefer it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. 
Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Embrace it. Okay. All right. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> fill, my, fill up my woodshed, which is funny because right now our whole yard is like weird pi- wood piles with giant tarps over top of them because we just got a wood stove this year and and we're going to heat our house mainly with what well, with wood heat. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're like, uh, yeah, we're the crazy people in the neighborhood with a giant tarped piles of wood <laughs> no that's that's probably just uh that's probably the way to go what was your gas bill getting too high or something we have a had it's to be super boring we had a, we have electric heat an electric boiler here and oh. it's insanely expensive and uh yes and what's nicer than like when you have a climate that's like freezing cold for six months of the year what do you want you want to have a nice wood stove and i tell you our dog she's 11 and uh she deserves this this situation which she's employing as i speak she's lying less than four feet in front of the stove which you're not supposed to because you could you could burn from the inside out but she's doing it (laughs) and the last time you were on the show which uh, we earlier in the lost in the basement (laughs) tapes version of this interview we established that you were on the show maybe four years ago and uh and we talked a lot at that time uh, or we were starting at that time to talk about your your budgie uh, pickles, and then I talked about my budgie buddy. Uh, I don't remember us talking about your dog. Who is your dog? What is your dog? Oh, yeah, Lucy. I guess she's been around. She's 11, so she's been in our lives for 11 years. We used to have another one, Lefty. Lefty oh, okay. Lucy. Yeah. But Lefty uh, passed away a couple of years ago, and now we just have the one dog. Oh, one I'm sorry. dog. I'm sorry about that. That's sad, That's sad to hear. But uh, uh, Everybody die. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. If, if people are going to leave this interview thinking anything, it's that everybody died. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing. There's literally gallows humor somehow uh, emerged out of uh, this talk. But so your, does your dog get along with the pickles? Uh, well, they, uh, they coexist. They're on. <laughs> oh, man. They're- She's on the floor and the bird's in on the up high. And uh, one time, though, the bird did a low pass right above Lucy's head early on in his time. Pickles uh, was here and he did a little low pass and she just reached up and because he's the color of a tennis ball. And uh-huh. She loves tennis balls. Sure. And I was thinking, oh, this isn't going to be so good. And she just bit his tail off. She bit his tail. Well, the tails grow back, which is fine. I assume yes. that happened. Yeah. But she bit yes. his tail off in yeah. mid-flight. Yeah. Oh and my. And he just kept going. He didn't even notice. Oh he didn't my. even care. And she was horrified. So ever since then, she just was like, I'm not, you know, not oh, touching oh, that. Oh, Lucy was horrified at her own yeah. savagery, if you will. Yes. yes. <laughs> what have I become? <laughs> totally. Biting birds in the sky. Oh my God. I need to yeah. go to therapy. What happened to me? Oh my God. I know. What a monster. Eh? No, what a but monster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I bring it up because, uh, there are animals on your excellent and beautiful new record, uh, Roses on the Vine. Uh, and I hope uh, it's uh, you, you forgive me uh, uh, if this makes you uncomfortable. But congratulations on your record, first of all. Thank you. Is, is that okay to say? I, I mean, I don't want to make you uncomfortable by saying, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if congratulations are in order when someone makes a record anymore, but it feels like this is a... This is a, I know it's such a boring thing. It's the most boringest thing to make. No, I wasn't. I wasn't even saying that. I just think it's an achieve. I think this is a nice achievement uh, in the and musicianship here. I'm. I don't. I. I have this 
press release that is a little uh, scant. It's like a little bare bones. I have a sense of what's going on, but I don't know. I have liner notes. I don't know who plays on this record, but I'm I'm really. We didn't want to tell you everything. We, is, you know, is that right? I don't know. No. <laughs> okay, that's but because now I I actually to be honest, it is kind of cool because I will at some point in this conversation say. Uh, these the drums are incredible on some of these songs. This song, uh, "Evening Train," uh, this got a really it comes in with a really cool and interesting percussion thing, and uh, and then the, the the you know the ukulele, all the instruments are interesting. There's lots and there's like a driving guitar part in "Unleashed." You know, like I'm gonna ask you who did what in a moment. Sorry, mm. was that a rambling? I I just wanted no, to no. talk a little bit about things I heard, but. I, I there are animals on this record. Animals seem to have influenced your songwriting a little bit. They have for some time, if memory serves. Like I think you are at one with the animals, with the dogs, with the birds, with the uh... <laughs> I guess. <laughs> is that is that wrong? Is that is that an inaccurate statement? You, are you do you feel like everyone's connected to animals? Is that what you mean? No, I like the idea of getting inside of their heads. I want to know what's going on in there. And we can only speculate. We can only speculate. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I think they're fascinating. They're fascinating. And uh, humans, yes, we're, you know, interesting. But not not half as interesting, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I, I, am I, was I wrong to say that animals have long sort of been a, a muse for you on some level? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit of a bird bird nut. Yeah, you'd say I've I've always been a bit of a bird nut, and um, yeah, definitely, definitely. What is it but, about? You know, well, why the bird in particular? Like, there's a the song "Sunrise" of yours. At one point, you say, "Turn it up, let the birds sing," which I think is interesting. It's like nature is a stereo system. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was your intent, but it's just kind of like, yeah, let's let's just get these birds up a little bit. It's not loud enough for me. I want to hear these songs a bit loud. You know what I mean? That's what I took away from that. But yeah, why why birds? Why are you fascinated with birds? Um, because they can fly. That's it. Big deal. <laughs> if I wanted to, I could fly to Winnipeg right now. Book a flight on the internet. I'd see a bird get on the internet and book a flight. I bet they can't do that. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, they do. They do fly. That is, it's mystifying, isn't it? They fly, and they avoid things. Well, effortlessly. Except for, all the, except for the things that we're doing, I keep thinking about. Yeah, all those birds like flying, getting caught in the lights. You know, yeah. city lights and that, and their migrations. And I have noticed actually a real. Um, even in our neighborhood, you know, we've lived in this house for, I don't know, uh, 10 years or more and like less and less birds, certainly. Are you, you know? are you someone who, like me, blames all the different waves that we've been sending out into the air since the advent of the Internet? I sometimes I've, I've heard that the cellular towers uh, kind of mess up the bees. And I wonder, uh, because when I grew up, I, I learned about the birds and the bees. So I wonder <laughs> if the birds are similarly affected by these frequencies we're sending out. They must be, because the animals are really, uh, I feel, you know how like animals know when it's going to rain or snow or, and they leave, Whoa. they split, because they're like, ah, I'm out of here. There's bad stuff yeah. coming. I want... Cats see dead people. Yes. What? What? Is that a thing? Don't they? What? I think they do. Don't they? What? Uh, why do you think that? 
is that a is that a commonly held belief? Well, I believe it. Um. <laughs> no, I mean, is it a common? Do you believe the cat? What? Why do? Why do you think cats could see dead people? I don't know. Just you ever look at them when they see something like there's something going on? There's obviously like nothing going on, but they see something going on. Good lord! Now that you say that, I'm just picturing yeah. a cat staring up into the in, yes into the middle distance. Yeah, kind of dead people. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, you so believe me. <laughs> now I believe it. Yeah, it didn't take much. I, I believe you more than I believe anything else. Yeah, we're we're screwing up. I feel like uh, we emulate animals, and there's a song. The first is it the first song on the record? Is the first song called Cocoon? Yeah, Cocoon. I, Which I, is a fun word to say. Cocoon. Cocoon. Were you a cocoon. fan? Of, were you a fan of the film Cocoon? I never saw it. You never, I never saw it. Saw it. I I think of uh, getting because it's winter. You mentioned it's winter. I think of getting kind of curled up in a cocoon, like a blanket or a, a nice sweater. I feel a like burrito. Yeah, a burrito. That's right. I feel like we copy animals. Do you feel like that? Absolutely, absolutely. But I also think some of those some of those in um, those things that we do, they're kind of the things that we copy about animals are are kind of like because we we recognize that they're so. Um, and amazing you yeah know? yeah they think they, about that they know what they're doing and and we mm. we ruin it by copying it somehow i think somehow we we, we ruin their lives <laughs> by copying them we are the great ruiners yes <laughs> now the these songs i feel like we started to talk about them the last time you were on the show um i think because you had just finished uh yeah we talked about when you were on the show last your last record must have just come out right yes yeah yeah the record about freezing to death, that record. Burning was, Daylight. Did it have, mm-hmm, to, did mm-hmm. it have a, an accompanying uh, uh, book? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's I right. I wrote some, some, uh, some poems. <laughs> yeah. You wrote some I, complimentary poems. Is that fair to say? Uh, no, they were kind of a different set. It was just a different sort of northern experience. I guess it was my own northern experience. And the record was about, was kind of based on Jack London's stories, but I kind of wanted to. Um, I wanted to feminist at them a little bit, <laughs> so right. so I did that. But R- the poems were were more from my own perspective. Yeah, right. So in the in the relatively bare bones press release I received about this new record, which uh, yeah, what did they say? What did they say? What's it all about? It Tell says me. Uh, these thirteen songs, a series mm. of lovingly lovingly wrought, detailed miniatures, were inspired by the lives and work of other women. Among yeah. them, visual artists, writers, choreographers, filmmakers, family, and friends. I hear a bit of that on here. What inspired this exactly? This this motif, if you will. Yeah. Uh, well, it started out as um, I, I started writing a set of songs for a touring show that I was doing with a, a visual artist, Sherry Boyle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we brought that. We started up in the north, Northwest Territories. And so we wrote a, uh, we made a, a show, and uh, for that show, I started writing on ukulele. Okay. Um, and I ha- I have written for ukulele in the past, but I'm mainly um, a piano player, and I mainly that's my writing instrument. But this time around, I just kept um, I I kept at it, and I got a few more ukuleles. <laughs> and um, uh, hello. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I, oh, I, you still there? No, I'm. Sorry, I'm I heard just, a weird sound. No, I heard it too, but I. It was just a. It was probably a cat staring at a dead person. I think. That's, yeah, totally. That's all that was. Totally. Yeah. 
But uh, <laughs> you yes. got a couple of ukuleles, you said. Yeah, yeah, I got a couple of ukuleles, and now I have. Um, I actually have some beautiful ukuleles that were handmade for me by a wonderful local guitar maker here, and um, I just kind of persevered in that, in that, in trying to make something on 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 these instruments that I don't know how to play very exceptionally well, but the you know. Um, that to me is always something I'm not so much interested in being good at an instrument, but just finding out what kind of songs are in the instrument. And, um, so yeah, it's been actually, it took me about three years to kind of get all the way through this. And part of some of the songs, one of the songs was commissioned, um, um, to, uh, by, uh, the Roy Thompson hall, Massey hall folks for, uh, about, um, Miriam Taves. They asked oh. a bunch of different writers to, to write a, piece of music inspired by her work which is like dream commission because she's amazing you uh you introduced me to miriam taves once at a house show in guelph oh really? oh right she came yeah. that's right she did she came with us that's you so and uh, i think shotgun jimmy also played that show and yeah uh, yep 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 yeah. yep yeah mirror that's so nice yeah so that and then uh, another a bunch set of songs was uh written um for a, a show that i did with a choreographer named uh, lissandra dodson who's one of my favorite living artists and nobody knows about her because she works in contemporary dance, which is a marginalized art form that uh, only like 12 people know about. And it's also the greatest art form of all of them. Um, it's so it really kinda, magical, isn't it? It's, it's, it is. it's super, it's uh, the utmost of superhumanity, if I will, if I may say, if, if that's uh, appropriate to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've learned more from from working with contemporary dance. I often do uh, score work. That's sort of my how I uh, spend part of my time. Yeah. Um, and dance, doing work with contemporary dance is like my absolute favorite. It's uh, it's such a privilege to work with um, those artists. So, and so, anyways, there was just a kind of a collection of women that I'd been working with, and um, and and wanting to write music, you know. Um, for them and um inspired by them and just kind of kept expanding from there and i also you know make an effort to write about women because i i i feel like um i feel a, a responsibility to do so yeah i mean i i appreciate that when you write songs they're coming from your particular uh perspective uh but i can't help but think that some of these songs might be autobiographical maybe more so than some of your other songs, like when I listen to this song, Me and Carmen, for example, uh, which is told from the perspective of a child. And one of the refrains is no one else, just me and Carmen, which when I think of my daughter, mm. uh, who is almost four, she is obsessed still with a friend she made at daycare who like left daycare, like graduated from daycare like a year or two before my daughter wow. did and she's still like i want to see ruby like just every week she wants to see ruby this formative just ruby i'm like what about the because similarly sh as she got older some of the other daycare kids looked up to her and so they are asking about my daughter you know i want to hang out with her but my daughter is still obsessed with ruby and it's just no one but me and ruby i just me and ruby need to hang mm. out so i when i heard this line in me and Carmen, no one else, just me and Carmen. I thought that's a very little kid thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to be, I want a companion, but it has to just be me and that person. 
Can you speak? I know that that fierce loyalty, man, of yeah. children is, and it's so honest and kind of, you know, brutal in some ways. I. It's weirdly it's isolationist, though. It's it can't, yeah. <laughs> I just want the full attention of this other little person. Is that your perspective in that song? No, actually, that was written uh, um, inspired by these two young gals who I'm not good at guessing ages, but sure. like, they weren't. They were between, I'd say, six and nine. And um, they were regular clients of this food bank that I used to volunteer at. And um, and they came in every week and they're just, they were cousins and they were best friends. And the two of them were just like, they were just so, fe- like their friendship was so fierce yeah. and so intense and so like, just a beautiful thing to behold, but also it was kind of them against the world because they, they, you know, talked about how, well, they wanted to learn wrestling because they thought wrestling would help them at school, like fending off the bullies and stuff, oh, <laughs> like, you know, like wrestling, but it's like a, what a kid thinks is, is going to help you, you know, wrestling. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, sure. That's, that's a very little kid thought as well. So was I, was I then off the mark and suggesting, I mean, like I say, I know these songs are from your perspectives, but you are also a, a very um, within that. I mean, your your perspective is an observational one as well. I know that about you. Uh, you know, you see people, you hear about people, you hear stories, and then you you would put them into a song. Was I wrong to suggest that there's a fair amount of autobiography going on on this record? I think there's always uh, there always is. I feel like I always kind of put little signposts in for myself. That maybe I only, maybe only me and you know about. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But lots of the, most of the times I, I don't necessarily write uh, from my own perspective. I mean, other than I am the writer, so I am writing from my own perspective, but I don't write about myself so much as like autobiographically, literally autobiographically. What about yourself in the future? Like you used to be kind of, uh, as I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you were, used to be semi-obsessed with, like, spinsterism on some level. Uh, oh, yeah. I did do a record about <laughs> kind of inspired by Marianne Moore, who is a legendary spinster, and I'm just fascinated by – I am pretty fascinated by, by – Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That that idea the word and all of the implications of that word and yeah. and what 
what kind of life life choice that is and people that choose to be alone you know i'm yeah. interested in that I'm, i i love solitude you know i'm whatever i'm married and i i have friends and i <laughs> live in the world but i at my heart of me i'm like hmm, you know if i get a little bit of alone time man sweet well there's the there's the spencerism but then i think that when i when i was talking about you in the future like i feel like you are particularly sensitive to uh senior citizenry <laughs> <laughs> I know I write for old people, but you know what? Old people don't buy records. They don't care. I'm writing songs for them. I've been writing songs for them for years. They don't listen. What, are they? they are listen. they? Are they for them or about them? Though there's a distinction I want to make there because when I think of songs like uh, "Roses on the Vine," the title track, or "Passage," uh, which again, you can correct me if I'm off the mark here, but I do feel that contemplation of a different point in life or grappling with perhaps illness or, or, you know, having your life altered in, 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 in a way that maybe foretells uh, an ending sooner than you expected it to be. You contemplate these things, I think, in a, a very beautiful way, in a very sensitive and empathetic way. Why does that, if I'm right, if that's true, am I, why, why does that fascinate you so much? Oh, I don't know. I guess, you know, those times in your life when, you know that the incredible times I'm imagining, like the birth of your children, or, um, or when you're the cat that you love very much. Gary, yeah, my cat. Yeah, we talked about Gary the last. Gary was. Yeah, when was Gary. He, yeah. <laughs> goes to the better place. The sure. Cat, yeah. Beautiful cat place. Like these are times in our life. They, these are such important, important moments, and like where everything is really crystallizes right you remember things you remember details and you remember feelings and smells and all that stuff and i'm really interested in that those kind of moments in life when when you're really present because in our day-to-day -day, we're not really present we're just rushing around yeah. trying to figure out what what is facetime how does it work how <laughs> why is it pro tools working what is going on here why is this sound why is this card full why did it cut off our recording? Yeah, these are the kinds of Why things where... Why did John cut off his thumb? Why? We did talked about because that. Because he doesn't want to play in my band? Wasn't that what? weird? We had a little cameo from John K. Sampson in the lost version of this interview yeah. where he explained that he recently cut off his thumb. And, but he didn't, uh, but, he didn't explain it very well. It wasn't a good story. No, it, it, was wasn't, one of those, it wasn't good. You... I was thinking about a book report <laughs> I was writing and then I just cut off my thumb like it wasn't... It didn't go anywhere. It you know, I, I will tell you something because I... Uh, every once in a while, I will ask the general public who they mm. who they want on the show, and every single time someone has said John, and and John oh, and I go back a ways, and and he's we I've interviewed him a few times, but I just haven't been able to get him on the show. And when this because you two you, did you work together? On, like, I thought you did an interview with the two of us some years back. Oh, maybe mm. I not for this show. I don't think oh, this show. Really? I when I say like when I when I put the call out, I mean for creative control, like this particular version. I of, thought it was. I thought it was not like ah, maybe I'm. No, that we up. didn't. I don't think so. No, I did a we thing. We went to Cora's in Guelph. Was he there for that? I thought so. I did a thing with John and Jim Bryson for breakfast. That was when I had that breakfast show. Yeah, breakfast. But I don't remember John being part of the one I did with you, but maybe. I don't remember. But oh, anyway. I thought he was there. He's but always there. He's always <laughs> he's always <laughs> always there, cutting off parts of his thumb, yeah. basically. But anyway, 
I thought, because you two did, I, I did extend an invitation to both of you to be on the show uh, for this record, because did you not, you worked a bit more closely together on this one than you may have uh, other projects, is that fair to say? Yeah, well, we co-produced this, and we co-produced his record that he made in 2016, that um, Winter Wheat, we co-produced that. Right. So it worked out for us, we, we kind of liked it, actually, we both have... Um, help seem to be helpful to each other in uh, situations where we don't know what to do. So, so it kind of, it works. But, it seems but to be working. As I recall the past in the past, when you two would be working on your respective works, um, mm. one of you would be like writing and be like muttering to yourself about something. And the other one of you would look over the shoulder. I'm, I'm painting a totally fabricated romantic creative picture here but I, my understanding was that one of you would be like ah i don't know what's going on here and the other one would look over and be like why don't you try that and then you'd be like aha eureka that is the right thing to do either one of you and so you'd kind of vaguely collaborate is that an accurate you know every once in a while one of your i can tell when a fellow's word is maybe in a john k Sampson song and vice versa sometimes does that ever happen Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There was on on winter wheat. He, I, I had been writing a song about. Oh, I think it was about a bus driver <laughs> pulling over when our bus tour bus driver quit, and he like basically pulled the bus over and yeah. just packed a suitcase, and he was like, "I'm out." It was. I think he'd been driving from like Oslo to to Vienna or something in one go after a long tour and. Had, like we'd already been driving a fair bit and he just quit. So I wrote a song about that or I started, I had the first verse and uh, it wasn't very good. And John just said, can I have that? <laughs> I said, <laughs> sure, you could totally have it. And then he made this incredibly amazing song out of it. Right. Uh, and I'm not even mad at him. It's called 17th street treatment center and it's way better than what I was writing. I see. Okay. So that's like a happenstance thing, but those kinds of things would happen. But I always got the sense, uh, to both of your credit, you would kind of compart, even though you were, you know, together, you were married, and and you each had your own things. You, you did kind of compartmentalize, like you you didn't necessarily uh, uh, want to, you know, work together officially until it sounds like relatively recently. It was that when you worked on Winter Wheat, was that the first true, full bore collaboration before this record? Oh no, not just we hadn't done records. Maybe we okay. more, you know, we we're always sort of present, but never in a never in a in a kind of a, a capacity that we would name. You know, right, that's it, what it I mean. Yeah, the writing the writing process. But we've certainly done lots of we've co-produced lots of projects, and maybe that's just something that happened over the over the years where you know we we'd done enough kind of more performance based stuff and manuscripts we do a lot of residencies too where we're doing mentorship and that and we just kind of prefer doing doing that together because we we both have actually completely different approaches to to writing and making and yeah. and yeah. Uh, pre presenting so it's kind of good and i feel like when people hire us to do stuff they just get two different perspectives you know yeah so. yeah so i want to this is a, a hopefully a good way to segue into what i was trying to get at earlier which is like personnel on this record. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, for, I, I want to follow up on what we were just say, talking about in terms of how you and John work together on these songs, on this record as co-producers. And uh, I don't know if you co-wrote things uh, necessarily, but I'd like to hear a little bit about that. And then within that, yes, who is on this record? Who did you forbid 
from being un- uh, attached to the press release that I received. Uh, <laughs> who are you hiding from me? I just want to know <laughs> who who is playing on this because the the musicianship uh, is. I mean, all your records have fantastic musicianship, but this uh, there's a lot of intriguing stuff here. Can you talk about? how you and John worked together on, on these songs and this record and, and then who you worked with together. For sure. Well, I wondered, I was going to ask you if you could guess who was playing drums on this, these songs. Jason Tate. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty like distinctive. He's become a, a, a drummer with his own voice. <laughs> he really does. And yeah. I, I mean, I've been playing with him. I realized since 1999 was the first time I worked with him. And, um, He's just one of my favorite, like, little weirdo musicians because he just, he brings so much in, uh, he brings so much broken gear yeah. to the studio, but somehow, you know, he's sweating and swearing a little bit and then, <laughs> and then, and he makes some, like, terrible, terrible sounds. And then he's just, he's just so creative, you know, and then you, he, it, the the terribleness gives way to this like incredible burst these bursts of ideas that just nobody else nobody else would bring that to it and that that instrument that or that piece that you were talking about that song evening train where you're like i love the drum beat to that yeah he had just finished like building a fence and he had this hunk of metal you know yeah that he, when he was like you know, and it was just out by the garage and he just was like, oh, maybe I'll try that. <laughs> you know, he just puts it on the snare drum and he's like, king, king, that's the sound. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and and I love that about him. And I, I think uh, he and I sh- certainly share uh, a love for broken things, playing, yeah. playing yeah. broken instruments and making just making sounds because making sounds is fun. And, you know, music is sound. It's not just, you know, being being a soloing solo yeah right (laughs) yeah it's very little to do with soloing yeah so jason was a big and for me it was really i really wanted to work with him because the last record i did i really wanted to work with um the two two cellists that i had been working with um a lot in performance and i hadn't made a record with the two of them alex mcmaster and leanne zacharias so last record was all about the three ladies the three of us in a room and and uh, this time, uh, Leanne and Alex are both involved on the record. Um, Leanne does all the cellos, but Alex did some of the arranging. Okay. Um, and we have Christine Bougie playing uh, some lap steel, which uh, it's the first time I've ever worked with her. She's uh, she... unbelievable. unbelievable. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, I, yeah, it was that was so special to me, and I was just so delighted that she she just agreed to even to even take the time because i know she's really busy and and just what she played was just ah, blew my mind Uh, jason has played with uh irvinen's bahamas band and and i believe christine has as well is that the connection oh yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly and um and they you know they of course they've been touring a lot when we were touring with um winter wheat together um they, he was also touring with Bahamas a lot, so we we're just uh, when we were you know developing the songs, we were actually on tour with John. So okay, okay. So I was working up the songs, you know that that year that we were touring. So so that it was us and uh, Greg Smith plays a little bit of bass on there. Ah, I, also, nice. I love the Greg Smith, and uh, <laughs> he's so beauty. Eh? Yeah, and, he is. Uh, he is. That that was a good impression of him. We're just <laughs> you and I are just imitating uh, bass players from. 
Canrock underground <laughs> Canrock bands. That's going to be our new show. You and I are going to just should be <laughs> the low end theory. I guess is what it would be called. There's something I don't know. I know they're 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 special people. They're special people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god who else so who else okay uh, who, who else oh, john also plays so john yes. samson is he plays some guitar um there's a plays... song here if i if you don't mind me saying there's mm. a song here called unleashed mm. that that springs forward and it, it reminded me of maybe a, a weaker than john k samson sort of pop song is that off the mark well, he he did uh, he played those guitars. So, and as soon as he played those guitars, I was like, "Wow, that suddenly it changes everything," you know. When when he started playing playing it, and in fact, the the idea for the arrangement for that song actually came from Sherry Boyle. When we did it, we did this song, she and I, just the two of us, in our little touring show, where she she you know does uh, art on the overhead projector, kind of handmade animation, and I play music and it's just the two of us and it's it's super low tech um um, but she's you know obviously an incredible what she does with with those simple tools or is really you know just overhead projector and and like animations but for that song she was like that is a punk rock song yeah because i (laughs) conceived it it was a lot slower when i brought it brought it to her it was slow and and she just was like no we're speeding it up (laughs) and then and during the performance, actually, she and I switched at one point where she played. Um, I had a little keyboard set up for her with all the tape on the keys so she knew which keys to play. Yeah. And she let me do the art on the overhead projector. So we switched for half the song, oh, wow. which was kind of the fun. Like for both of us, it was sort of the potential train wreck, but also really exhilarating. You know, when you get to kind of do someone else's job for a minute. Yeah, Sherry, so, Sherry was on uh, the show a few years ago now, and I, I still remember it being a really uh, fascinating conversation. Um, she's a she's an amazing artist. Oh yeah, and just so you know, playful and and actually have really good. I, I listen a, a lot to her arrangement advice because she's, although she's not a musician, um, she she is a musician. She is she's really. I feel like know. she has a very musical mind. Yeah. Yeah, so so that actually was her idea, and when we went in the studio and Jason was trying to figure out what to play on the drums, um, he he just went into that beat, and we tried a bunch of different things, and then he did that, and I was like, okay, that's what it is, then. All right, Sherry was right. Yeah. So okay, so you got uh, who are, are we leaving anyone out in terms oh, of? Oh yeah, there's a couple uh, little uh, visitors. We had uh, Shotgun Jimmy plays a little little tiny bit of guitar. Mm-hmm. He plays a second guitar on Unleashed, and uh, my friend Carrie uh, Latimer plays theremin. Okay, okay. And it's a friend, spooky instrument. Yeah, that kind of crazy electronic thing. Yeah, using the the sound the sound waves in the air. And my friend Keith McLeod plays some mandolin. He fixed all my I to also play some mandolin, but I'm really quite terrible at it. So he kind of came in and polished. Did some turd polishing. Some <laughs> call it in the, in the business. And you've got. <laughs> to... <laughs> I, I play all the other instruments, so everything else is like I'm pretty good at faking some things, but there's some instruments you just can't fake. Right. Okay. Well, I and so that's pretty much everyone by your uh, recollection, mm-hmm. and and you've got some drum machine on here as well. Yeah, Jay did the. Jay did most of the drum machines. I I just got a little tiny synthesizer this year, or I got 
last year. So, uh, so there's a bit of synthesizer on here, yeah. which is sort of my new enthusiasm. I oh. tried to be sparing, but it's so hard to resist, man. Yeah, no, I they they play they they're toys. You, you you become like a little kid. Yeah. 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 I do love a children's toy. It's true. There are some fascinating production things going on here. Like in particular, I want to draw people's attention to the song Passage uh because uh the the song itself haunts me in terms of what you're singing, but you have this um I call it ghost rounds. Like if a cat were to watch or hear this song, I think they would see dead people uh, on some mm. level singing this sort of round, if you will. And I found that just like a, I found that some of those, and there's a few other aspects uh, that come up on the record. They're just fascinating production choices. And so this draws me back to you and John. Like, I don't know if you want to talk about that specifically, but that, that seems like a very fascinating choice. Yeah, let's start with that. What, where, where did this, uh, the sound of passage sort of come from? Mm. Well, originally the song was quite different <laughs> and in, in fact, more like uh, I was playing it all on ukulele and, and when I started, started it, it, it was actually, it sounded completely different. And then we came in the studio and we're trying to do it. And I, I imagined it would be a bit more of a drone fest at the beginning. And, um, but I was having difficulty with how to sing it. Mm. And it was John who actually came up with the idea of, just do a bunch of different takes and sing it, sing it a bunch of times and don't reference the other ones and just sing in the, like, don't think about timing, just sing it. Uh huh. Uh huh. And, uh, so that's when I, when I realized, oh, that's when you play them all together, that becomes this interesting thing of, of, of hearing, hearing that sense of time, right. Of how someone was, at one time, the choice that they make at one time, and then the choice they make at another time. So it's kind of like seeing someone through their life a little bit. Yeah. When when you when you have that, you know, even if it was just me doing it all in one evening, hmm. it still has this sense of time. So so that was actually that was his suggestion, and and um and and it yeah was a real revelation for me. It was like ah, delightful problem solving. Well, I, otherwise I would have thrown that song in the garbage. <laughs> it really, I feel like the production really enhances the meaning of the song to me somehow, because as I say, there are this, it's, it's, it's like a back, it's not a backing vocal, but like this round is ghostly to me. And the lines are things like, uh, if you dare to wish me well and I disappear, let me be forgotten. Um, I hope I got that right. Um, yeah, that just I I just found it incredibly haunting. And uh anyway, I just think the the effect of the production is just unbelievable. So, and whatever you two are up to down there in Winnipeg or up there in Winnipeg, you're doing a great job. Oh, thanks, Vish. You're so nice. <laughs> now, the other the, the other <laughs> the other thing I I should bring mm. up is I feel that if I if I understand things correctly, did you and John start a record label? Well, not especially. We we have started we we started a label, and I'm, I wouldn't oh. call it necessarily a record label. It's just a label for 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 stuff that we do. It's called Vivat Vertute. Okay, named after Vertute the cat. Yes, um, and we just kind of I guess we want to formalize this year. We we um, finally took our falling down house and and 
tried to make it better so we can make music in here and live in here. Yeah. And what we ended up doing was smashing down the wall of our entire upstairs. It's just one big open room now. And we work there together. Mm -hmm. So we've literally smashed down the walls um, between our separate workspaces and we work in one space. So it sort of felt like this idea of, of putting something together for us, maybe finally to collaborate on something like truly maybe a record. I don't know what it'll be next, but we've just been kind of working towards something. So it felt like a good, good time to kind of, um, to, to start out that idea with this project. So Um, you say it's not a record label, it's an imprint of some kind. It could be multi-platform. Yeah. Whatever we sort of feel like doing. And I, and I do feel like, I, I think it's a good question for all of us musicians to ask ourselves that every time, like, is the record still a thing? Is that what we're still doing? Yeah. Or is there something else we can be doing? And and I always want to ask that question because it, you know, um, I, I, I don't want to be that person that's just on doing the default thing, like forever and ever. I want it to be, if you're making a record, there's a reason why you're making a record. Yeah. There's not just, it's like, oh, we make records. It's like, we can make whatever whatever we want. <laughs> right, whatever the impulse is, you'll follow it if it makes yeah. sense to you. Okay, okay, but it has a website. Yep, we have we've we've and it's true. Well, we kind of need to formalize it in some way. So we're we're learning. We're not like good at it or anything because neither of us are very good business people, and we disagree with business and money and uh, basically everything to do with capitalism. So it's a, it's problematic. Yeah, like, sure, <laughs> but, sure, uh, sure. But we'll see if we can bumble through, you know, you know, we'll yeah. figure it out. Okay. Okay. And then we web- don't know what's going on in social media either. So that's the other thing is neither. Like, you're well, not going to hear about Vivette Vertute on the internet. Right. Except it's VivetteVertute.com or something, right? Yeah. That, but, that, you know, like it, we're not going to be tweeting. No, I Nobody's was tra- tweeting. I took me a bit to find the website, to be honest. Like it wasn't even the first thing. It, <laughs> there's like a billion yes. things about a shirt. That uh, that the somebody said it was a John K. Sampson shirt, I think, and then I finally you found it. Yeah, twentieth uh, item down was was the actual website for your your new imprint. So that's fascinating. So this is the point. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not looking to be at the top of a Google search. It's not our goal. <laughs> Mission accomplished, if I might say. <laughs> at this point, you're doing well. Uh, what uh, if you're not on social media? If people want to learn more about you and, and this record, where should they go besides uh, vivetvertute.com? Oh, you can just go to a show. I mean, we'll do some shows. We're going to do some shows. Go to the shows. You're just saying come to the shows. That's the yeah. best way. Okay. Okay. Well, or we're... just, you know, you can come to a show. I I personally do have a website. It's just my name.com. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I do. Uh, um, make an effort to keep it current and not like, you know, that, uh, but that's uh, <laughs> sure. It's not a dormant site. You, you, you keep it up to date. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do, I, someone sends me an email. I will, I will email back. Okay. Not like some people who shall remain nameless. You not talk- yourself. Are you talking about me? I didn't No. <laughs> I, I write back. I, I try to I write know. back. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. You that- are, you're not. You're not that person. Okay. But, sometimes, you know. sometimes I am. It's a lot of email these days. I feel like it's a lot of email. Yes. Agreed. It's too I'd, much. It might be too much email. 
it is well especially you're trying to raise two human beings into adulthood so yeah i'm trying to raise yeah. at least two emails uh, and uh, they're they're little emails they're just human emails somehow i don't know what that means but anyway uh <laughs> it's getting late i feel like you should be going to bed yes because you're not feeling well yeah you're right I, i'm not uh doing the best so i will i will wrap this up but i that was a gentle way of saying you had to go by the way i it's getting late you're not no, I can well. hear it in your throat. Yeah, I can I'm, hear... I'm fading a little bit. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So we've established where people can go uh, to find out more about you and this uh, amazing record, Roses on the Vine. I want to ask you if you can pick a song from this record that I can play for people so they can they can hear it. Is that possible? Oh, you want me to pick it? Why don't you pick it? Because you pick I anything. find when I ask the artist or the guest to pick something, I get a little bit of insight into where they're at in the moment. I don't like to do it. I know that's weird because I'm I'm hosting the party. I should be able to uh, yeah put out more chips. If, if if people want more chips, I shouldn't be like you get the chips, whatever you like. I think though, I don't want to do that. You should pick the song. I feel like you can't you please. I'm, I might I'm sick. It's late. Uh, yeah, I'm diminished. I could yeah. pick any. I've mentioned like fifteen except of the- for that fabulous head of hair. <laughs> As soon as I see you, I'm gonna just go run up to you and I'm gonna run my fingers through it. Just you, like more creepy. than more than welcome to do it. I'll do the same. That's what I when people say, "Oh man, your hair looks good." I say, "Oh, your hair looks good too." Even if I don't like their hair, I always that's my default. I just say the same thing back. I like your shirt. I like your shirt. That's just the thing I do. It's just my default because I can't take a compliment. That's what I say. How do you like it? How do you like it that I say you've got nice hair? You deal with that for the rest of the day, buddy. <laughs> That's what I say. No, can you please listen to me? I'm wheezing. I, I, yeah, I'm getting I over pneumonia. Can you please, for the love of all that is pickles, just pick a song for us from your record? Why don't you play um, Evening Train? Because that's the one you were talking about. We were talking about with the fence post thing. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And uh, and it's I'll tell you this is a little thing about it. Here's a little thing, I wrote it. It's an ode to the TTC man. Oh, is it really? It really is because if you when you go on the TTC, you know, and they have that beautiful little song, da da da. Yeah, the little jingle. Yeah. It's also the same three notes as um pastor the pastoral that um, Benjamin Britten piece oh, of music. Oh. The days grown old, the fainting sun. Anyway, do you think so, that was, was that intentional on the part of the TTC? I don't know. <laughs> you probably got it from but somewhere. Anyways, okay. So anyway, so I I kind of cop that melody and that piece of music in there because I I love riding the subway for that song. I'll just ride it all day long just to hear that song. Yeah, there's something romantic about this song. I I did I feel like there was a romanticization going. On. Strangers on the ground. Uh, just that notion. I don't know. There's something going on there. I I kind of found that imagery interesting. The Strangers Underground? Yeah, that's is that what is that what did I get it wrong? Strangers Underground. Is that what you said? Yeah, they're under the ground because <laughs> Strangers, they're in the subway. Right, they're underground. Strangers Underground. That's right. So I I still I thought it was a, a cool turn of phrase and it I just there's, there's something about being un, and the song also has because of the drum beat has kind of an underground feeling. I don't know. There's something subterranean about it if I might say. Am I pushing this too hard now cuz I'm no, now we've ruined it. Don't bother playing okay, it. Okay, you're right. No, I'm going to play it right now. This is Evening Train by Christine Fellows from Roses on the Vine, and uh, it's a beautiful record. Christine, thank you for your time, for re-recording this with me, and uh, best of luck with everything in the future. 
Thank you all. We'll see you in Guelph. High tops, flip flops, three tall girls, school uniforms in blue, yellow, green, multiply. special thanks to Christine Fellows for appearing on this, the 445th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on YouTube, Spotify, Audioboom, what have you, whatever. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But if you can't find a particular episode that you've heard about and you're looking for and it's not on any of those things, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me at Vish Khanna. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also visit Patreon.com slash Creative Control to make a flexible monthly pledge, donation, in fact, to keep this podcast going. You can make any dollar amount you like, a dollar, two dollars, uh, $5,000 a month 
You can always change it if you want to, adjust it a little bit. Uh, it's up to you. Patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to Pete's Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support of the show. Thanks to my friend Jim Guthrie. I just got to hang out with Jim for the first time in a while. We went to see the Sea and Cake in Toronto, and that was fun. Uh, we ate uh, some food, and we talked about old times and new times. It was great. So anyway, uh, Jim is great. Uh, you can listen to his music and learn more about him at jimguthrie.org, and, and uh, he's, he's great. And finally, thanks to you. Thanks for listening to this show and subscribing to the podcast and telling your friends and your relatives uh, who own restaurants to listen to the show and, and subscribe to the show and, and, and all that sort of stuff. It means a lot. I, I must leave you. It's late and I want to go to sleep or get up early. I don't know what time of day it is that you're listening to this. I'm, just, I'm telling you I'm tired. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.